Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and welcome to another edition of Direct Snap. This is episode 12, and it seems like it's been a very long time since we've done a Direct Snap podcast. And quite honestly, we have. I think the last one, episode 11, was entitled the football season recap, 2015 season recap, which means it was probably around the national championship game, college football national championship game. So you're looking at early January, and it's March 10th. So, yes, we, we have a lot of content that we miss out on or, or just have to catch up with because there's been a lot of outstanding football takes and outstanding stuff that has just been on the mind of myself and guys at Football Game Plan. We just are constantly involved with this thing, so we have a lot to talk about today. Today's episode is going to be called Double Talk Season. It's, it, it's that time of year where it is Double Talk Season. But first, if you're not familiar with Direct Snap, this is a show where we address controversial football topics that many want to either completely avoid or tap dance around. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Vine under the tag Football Game Plan. And if you miss any one of our podcasts or want to hear this thing again, you can hit us up on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. We archive all of our podcasts there also like this, the uh, SoundCloud page as well, soundcloud.com slash FBGP podcast. And don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network, which is located at youtube.com slash football game plan. Like I said, we have a lot to get into today. And, you know, it's almost like these podcasts and, and they're direct. It's called Direct Snap for a reason because, you know, we just like to get to it direct. There's no sugarcoating. And that's where this is. Uh, this has become the outlet for me to get things off my chest that have been brewing since I'm constantly involved with things. I'm either at a college game scouting or pro day or an event or just busy working on um, content for football game plan, like putting out these FBGP scouting videos. Also subscribe and follow that as well uh, at FBGP scouting. We've done a great job with these scouting reports, showing our work, things that people haven't done, uh, a lot this draft season. If you're going to, you know what, that's just, let's just jump right into that because that's one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, this year we want to make an effort to show our work. And unfortunately with time constraints, we weren't able to put out individual scouting reports like we had originally planned to, but you guys got a taste of it with our quarterbacks and our running back rankings. And, you know, we're under the time crunch now as it's March 10th. And the draft is April 30th. We won't be able to get out 300-plus individual prospect videos. We'll probably do that next year. We just have to get started a little earlier. Um, but the one thing that we did this year, and we wanted to make it a point, was to show our work. If we say player X or player Y can or can't do ABC, we wanted to show you why player X or player Y can or cannot do ABC. A lot of times you see out here, and this is just an issue I have, uh, with this whole process, um, uh, you know, let's say contemporaries, you know, whether it's major media or mid-major media, if that's a, if that's a term, uh, where guys that, that write about the NFL, that write about the draft, 
that that want to grade and rank prospects, um, they don't show their work, you know, which which begs the question, because let's say, for instance, we're watching if we're watching a guy, let's say we're watching Barry Sanders. Right. And we should instantly notice his skill set and we should all come away with an idea of what he can do. So we should have similar strengths as far as agility, you know, elusiveness, power, breakaway speed, ability as a receiver, you know, elite level traits. We should all come away seeing the same thing because it's that evident. I feel like a lot of times with the NFL draft and its process, it's almost like we're watching two completely different players. And I feel like a lot of times people are just creating instead of analyzing or reporting what they see. So, you know, and they, and they confuse that with projection. For instance, Christian Hackenberg. I, have, I haven't seen so much creation given to a player or for a player than Christian Hackenberg. Oh, well, you know, if you put him with Bill O'Brien, he's the one that knows him best. And, oh, my God, the guy didn't have help at – at Penn State, he had the weight of the program on his shoulders. The offensive line wasn't blocking. If you get him an offensive line, if you put him with Bill O'Brien, if you put him with two all-star receivers on the outside that can go up at his highest point consistently and make those 50-50 catches, you give him an outstanding running game, you put him in a situation where he doesn't have to worry about the program or the franchise, you show him confidence by patting him on the back, telling him he's a good player, and you consistently bring around – Hall of Fame level talent, then yes, he can win you football games. You, you see how much has to be created for this dude? When you should just say, hey, he does some things well. I think he does throw well on the run. I think he's very inconsistent with his placement. Now, is that something that he can improve on? Probably. I think he can move more so than what people are giving him credit for. I think he's a very good athlete. The only problem with Christian Hackenberg is that sometimes you have to remind him, like, hey, move your feet. Hey, you got to run. Hey, get out the way because his feet tend to stay still within the pocket. And I think because of that, his placement and his accuracy all suffers. That's analysis, not making excuses for the guy. You know, at some point, if I'm an offensive lineman, I, I would feel upset. Oh, yeah, his offensive line was terrible. Get out of the way. If you know your offensive line is bad, that should tell you even more so to keep your feet moving, right? But, again, so you look at Christian Hackenberg and you see everyone making excuses or now there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. I gave you reasons why he wasn't having success. Many people have given you excuses on why he hasn't had success. But it's always interesting in which players, whether it's a quarterback or a corner or a linebacker or whatever, gets the, the benefit of the doubt from the mass media. But I think a lot of people are in the business when they write these reports. They don't show you why they say what they say. And it's always it, it it tends to tie back to what I always was taught from high school through college through you know professional career to now doing this thing with football game plan. Don't tell me what you heard. Tell me what you know. So tell me what you know by showing me what you what you're talking about. And you should be able to easily pick up uh, examples to to you know. Illustrate your point. Oh, so-and-so, my favorite one, and we're going to tie into this later because this is a topic in itself. Oh, so-and-so can't read defenses. Okay, fine. Show me where. And explain to me what he's supposed to be reading since you know. 
and since you can aptly uh, describe what can and can't read defenses looks like. Because the dumb part of people will say, well, he's not moving his head left or right, as if that shows you that he's scanning the defense, you know? Because he's moving his head left or right, he's jumping up and down the pocket, and he's patting the football. Yeah, he's scanning the defense. Like, But then he hits the check down. People are funny, man. And and what I don't understand with this whole draft thing, so that was our whole purpose to show our work. You know, if, if I believe Cardell Jones is the number one quarterback in this draft class, here's why I think he can play. Here's why I think he's number one. Here's why I graded him as the number one prospect. Boom, 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 boom. Examples. Other people will say he can't play because he got benched. And that's the end of their analysis. That To me, that's like, but I think that's the majority of people out here right now. For instance, here at Football Game Plan, if you go to our website, footballgameplan.com, at the search bar, around the search bar, you'll see NFL, fantasy, college, draft, CFL, AFL, indoor, women's football, prep, semi-pro, world football, coaching, FBGPU, network books, articles, FXFL. So we cover everything. So during the football season, let's say during the college football season, just this season alone, we've covered NFL, college football, CFL, and some XFL. FXFL, I'm sorry. And you've seen me at an NFL game. You've seen me at multiple college football games. You've seen me covering the FXFL. And you've seen me doing color commentary this year, college football-wise uh, with the Patriot League. Shout out to the Patriot League and Synthesis Productions. But so when, when, so when it's time for draft season, this year in particular, I was busy. I was a little bit behind because normally all of my prospect rankings would be out by now, and I'm just getting to tight ends. So I say all that to say this. If you are specifically covering the draft all year long, and that's all you do, March 10th, there should be no one you are just getting to. There should be no one, oh, I haven't gotten around to see him yet. There should be no prospect in the fucking country that you shouldn't have heard of yet. March 10th, and all you cover is a draft. Some outlets are just getting to Carson Wentz, March 10th. And he's a premier, a alleged premier prospect in a draft. How are you just getting to Carson Wentz right now? I, I, here's what I think. I think people like the idea of covering football, but they don't love football. They like what football could probably bring them, and which is fine. If you like football to where you just want to, hey, you know, chop it up with the buddies and look look like you know a little bit uh, amongst your friends, that's fine. But you get in the way of guys that actually want to do it. You know, you're, you're flooding the field. There's too many guys on the field right now. Go have a seat. You know, you could like football, but if you love it, you would really take it seriously. You would really get your name out there doing great work. And there's a ton of people and a ton of outlets that really do great work. They really dig deep. They really, you know, go in depth with their analysis. Whichever angle you want to cover. But if you cover the draft 365 and you haven't heard of a guy from, let's say, 
a one AA or FCS school or a Division two school that has been an, a, a prominent player, then you're not doing enough work. If you consider guys from the Big Ten or Conference USA small school players, then you're not doing your work. If all you do is cover the draft all year long, you should be at games, scouting. You should have in-depth scouting reports that date back three years. All you do is cover the draft, and you can't even do that properly. That's all you do. Your scouting reports are sloppy. Your analysis is shit water. All you do is cover the draft, and you can't do that one thing. You have other guys out here that's covering multiple things that are able to give a better scope of what's out there, give better analysis, dig a little bit deeper. So if if you're going to take – if you want to do this for, let's say, a living or if you're just doing it for the time being, fine. Make that clear. Hey, I'm just doing this for the time being. I like talking football. I like being able to guesstimate what a prospect can or can't do. But if you really are trying to do this for a living and want people to take your word as bond and take your word as credible, put in the damn work. Show your work. That's the only way you get better. Maybe you're, maybe if you think Hackenberg is a starter or let's say, um, I'm sorry, an elite level player, show people why, because maybe people are missing something. And maybe you, maybe you have uncovered something in, in his game that, hey, you know what? You're right. Let me take a look at that. That's how you work this thing, you know, and it blows my mind because it's double talk season. And so you're going to get people that will say one thing one week, come back the next week and say something else. Prime example. You, you see Carson Wentz, right? And I have to talk about Carson Wentz because it, it's it's amazing to me this year in particular, the rise of Carson Wentz. And let me get this out the way first because there's a message – there's two message boards out there. I'll give these guys props. Bisonville.com and also AnyGivenSaturday.com. And I've done a lot of work with Any Given Saturday. Actually, I do a weekly FCS show, radio show, that's broadcast on ESPN Montana and CBS Sports Saturday uh, radio out there in Spokane, Washington. So we're on air covering – the FCS weekly. I've been to a couple of, I've been to one Bison game. I've been to two actually, the championship game last year versus uh, Illinois State and the game versus Montana in 2014. So two games last year, I've seen North Dakota State live. But I find that because I'm not as high on Carson Wentz, I got hammered by Bisonville.com, which has been a glorious site, a great supporter of football game plan since I started this thing. Uh, when I predicted them to beat Minnesota, they razzed me when I picked Robert Morris to beat them, all in fun note. They've invited me out to, to uh, Fargo numerous times. I finally get out there, was treated great by the people. You know, they they fed me well. They showed me a great time around Fargo. They were super nice. You know, the, these are people that I would consider, you know, these are good people. Same with any given Saturday. They're good, great people I work with. And so because I'm not high on Carson Wentz, I got all of this backlash. You know, now I, I suck. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a trash wannabe scout. I'm a garbage wannabe analyst. I'm racist, <laughs> which is funny because they looked at my uh, quarterback rankings 
you have too many black quarterbacks in there, basically is what they said. But they said you have too many read option quarterbacks in there. It's a racist list. The irony in that is that when you see a list of guys that are, let's say, all white, and you know some guys are better, we don't say that list is racist. I guess to them that list is that's how it's supposed to be. But it's funny. I've been called so many different things, vile things, uh, by people that I thought were cool, people that I thought, you know, respected what I did in my different perspective. But I find it interesting that Carson Wentz brings out this, this he's a lightning rod for, you know, pole opposite. Well, not necessarily pole opposite because maybe I'm only the only one on the opposite side uh, as far as what he brings to the table. Prime example of double talk and why is double talk season. Carson Wentz played seven games this year. Seven. Played in the championship game, missed a good chunk of the middle part of the season, and played okay, you know, in the first part, you know. He played Carson Wentz-like, which I think is just average. And there's nothing wrong with being average, you know. Average, the, the majority of football players are average. Now, he has some traits that you like. He can run a little bit. He's a strong runner. Fine. He competes well. He's a gamer. You like all that but he's average as far as what he can do for your football team as far as elevating it is concerned. Carson Wentz misses a, a, a good bit of games this year. His replacement, Easton Stick, a redshirt freshman, comes in and puts up similar production from numbers-wise, passing-wise. Passing game was even a little bit better. I think he's a better deep ball thrower than Carson Wentz, who's questionable with the deep, with the deep ball. So North Dakota State doesn't miss a beat. They get to the title game. Wentz comes in, plays a great first two or three series, then tails off, throws two one touchdown, two picks. But they make it seem like he played a phenomenal game. That's the narrative. But seven games, and you're going to talk about a guy as the number two potentially overall pick, a top five pick, seven games coming from the FCS. Now, listen, I'm all for FCS guys getting equal treatment as the FBS guys, because I've always said level of competition doesn't matter, but using their own narratives against them. Now, now all of a sudden level of competition doesn't matter when a guy that has played seven games in this season, you're projecting as a top five talent. You know what top five talent looks like? Oh, maybe people don't because people just, people also put ponder in the first round and, and shit like that. But top five talent, for a guy coming off seven games where his backup did the same thing he did and where the previous guy, Brock Jensen, looked completely better throwing the football and did it over a longer period of time. So what makes Carson Wentz special? But it's so funny because they're saying, oh, you know, they're bypassing the fact that he played seven games, but just knocked Brock Osweiler for signing a huge contract. And he, oh, you can't give Brock Osweiler that money because he played seven games. But wait. He played seven NFL games. And you're about to say this guy from an FCS program, using your own narrative, from a small school, seven games worth a top five selection. Are you out of your damn mind? Also, well, here's another rabid-ass point people bring up. Oh, uh, well, Steve McNair, he went third overall. Great. Yes, he did. From all corn state. I remember that very well. Watched him in college. And yes, he did go third overall. Here's the other point that people fail to mention about Steve McNair. He broke 
numerous passing records in college football, regardless of division, and finished, what, second or third in the Heisman Trophy voting that year to, to Rashawn Salam. The fact that this dude came from the SWAC and went to New York as a Heisman finalist, not two or three Heisman Trophy votes and he finished 16th, third. This dude was a legit threat to win the Heisman Trophy. And had they beaten uh, Youngstown State, I believe, in that playoff game, you might have seen him uh, win that Heisman Trophy. He was on a cover of Sports Illustrated. Hand him the Heisman. And when you watch his highlights tape, his highlight tape, you see why people wanted him third overall. There is nothing about Carson Wentz's highlights that wow you. They just look average. And again, average is okay. You put in Brock Jensen's highlights and you start to say, like, wait a minute, how come this guy didn't get drafted? Three minutes into Carson Wentz's highlight tapes, you're still trying to figure out where's the highlights. And then two minutes after that, it's over. Pop in Brock Jensen's highlight tape. And you're going to see, like, wait a minute, this guy is throwing the football better down the field. He's just as good of a runner. And he broke numerous records. And all these guys have won championships. Wentz won two. And uh, Jensen won three. But the point is, he's not Steve McNair, so throw that comp out the window. His highlights aren't even on par with the guy that played in the same offense in Brock Jensen, he played seven games this year, and you knock Brock Osweiler for playing seven games, although his was in the NFL, and he also had success. You wonder how better Brock would have gotten as the season moved on before they went back to Peyton. Now, ultimately, we know they ended up winning the whole thing, but I don't blame Brock for leaving. So, but it's double talk because you can't pay Brock Osweiler because he only played seven games but you can give this unknown guy coming off an injury, missing a boatload of games this year in which his backup played well, coming out of a lower-level school, give him, a, make him a top-five pick. It's because one person said it, and everybody is parroting the same opinion. You can't sit there and say, watching Carson Wentz's highlights, that he is better from just a highlights perspective than Brock Jensen. You cannot say that with a straight face. And stop using size as a reason why he is better. Size is not a damn skill. You can't help. You can't make, okay, a 6'5 guy, okay, I'm going to work out to make myself 6'5. No. That's something you were born with. That's not a skill. That's genetics. People really are, I, I swear with this football stuff, I don't get it. But that, that's what I don't understand with this double talk. You, you, you shame Brock Osweiler, but you praise Carson Wentz and they play the same amount of games. You know, and quite honestly, and we talk about the backup playing well, playing just as good as Carson Wentz. Can we say Peyton Manning played better than Brock Osweiler in, in the games? I mean, you really can't. That That's debatable, right? There was a reason why they went to Peyton, I mean, went to Brock Osweiler, right? And he provided a spark. So I just find that double talk, it's that time of the season, you know, um, it's also the time of the season where you have uh, the lazy analysis. You know, you see teams, ba you see people in the media bashing teams, bashing every free agent that signs. Oh, my God, I wouldn't have paid him that, that amount of money. Oh, I wouldn't draft this guy. There's no way this guy is going high because 
insert position here doesn't normally go high and insert team here never drafts a player from insert university here like it's just a bunch of laziness you could just hit pause and repeat for the next season and pick up right where you left off with this analysis from some people i just find it amazing you know oh nobody wants to play for cleveland oh nobody really wants to go to uh you know the the pacific northwest oh you really don't want to play out in california oh you like you people say the same shit each and every year it's the same thing over and over you, you know the analysis is lazy and people are building articles stories we've gotten to the point where people don't even stay in their lanes people just speculate you know if you're a reporter and your job is to break news okay the, the giant sign player a for five years ten million dollars perfect done you did your job but now you start to see people get outside the pocket a little bit, you know, try to make something happen. Oh, well, giant time player X for five years, 10 million, you know, but we're, I've, I've been hearing that, you know, they, they've, you know, a lot of teams are laughing at that deal. Like, no, you didn't hear shit. You just made that up. <laughs> like, oh, from, from what I'm hearing inside sources, teams ain't going to want to uh, take Mr. Grimes because of his wife. No, you ain't hearing shit. You just made that up. Because how stupid would that be? I'm going to pass on a player that can help me with, with my football team, help my secondary, can pick all the football because his wife tweets stuff that I may not like. Listen, like, say that to yourself. I may take, I may not take a player that can help me win games, that can pick off the pass, pick off passes, get the ball back from my offense because his wife tweets things that I may not like or I think is unprofessional how she tweets who gives a fuck what his wife does what if his wife was a stripper would they have an issue with that would you start hearing the same things too people really don't think before they tweet man they should have you know how you you're about to log off your computer and it says you sure you want to log off they should have that feature on twitter you sure you want to tweet this shit then you hit yes or no because people are making up stuff now. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to have their name in lights. Everybody wants to be the story. Don't make up shit on social media, on TV, because, again, you can easily hide behind sources. As a matter of fact, I might make up some, some shit right now. I think, from what I'm hearing, that Colin Kaepernick may go to the NBA. Oh, don't, don't press me for it. Don't press me on it because I got sources. Sources told me I cannot reveal my sources. I am a journalist. No, you just made that shit up. You don't have sources. Every, you ever notice nowadays everybody got sources? Everybody got somebody that work inside the organization that tells them what they want to hear? Everybody's one degree separated from an NFL organization on the inside. Everybody has sources. Everybody's hearing stuff. Everybody knows, oh, I mean, I can't reveal my sources. We live in a day and age of people making shit up. So don't be fooled by what you read on the Twitterverse or on the Twitter nets or things like that. People make stuff up. It's also the season, I believe, in um, it's black quarterback trash season or trash black quarterback season uh, because we, we're around the draft. You know, there's going to be some black quarterbacks in there, and you know you're going to hear they should move to XYZ position, even though you've never seen them play this position before. You're going to hear the can't read defenses, you know, at the NFL level, have to learn NFL defense. What I find interesting is that 
people just automatically assume, and it's sad to see, but people automatically assume, and they'll deny it to the T, that because you're a black quarterback, you're dumb. As, you know, you, your success obviously is coming from something other than you thinking because you can't think. God forbid you're able to think. And people are going to get turned off by this comment or those comments because they feel some kind of way. Well, hit dogs howl, right? So if you feel some kind of way, then maybe I'm talking about you. Cardell Jones can't think. RG3 can't read defenses. Kaepernick, dumb, can't read defenses. Boykin, probably can't read defenses, should, uh, you know, move the receiver. Tyrod Taylor, oh, he can't complete passes down the field, over the right hash mark, just outside the numbers. In order to be an NFL quarterback, you got to be able to complete passes on a consistent basis down the middle, down over the field, down the sideline, over the right hash, above, just above the numbers. You can't do that. See how people create these arguments? And my new favorite thing now is uh, whenever you're talking about a black quarterback being signed, free agency, via free agency, they should also the team should also draft another quarterback too. Get get two, cause cause this one will dumb itself out. You got to get two. You know, people, I, I just don't understand it, man. This man, Colin Kaepernick, went to a fucking Super Bowl. You know how much money they would have given Ryan Tannehill had he taken his team just to the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl? They would have already erected a statue of Ryan Tannehill and retired his jersey while he's still playing if he did half of the things Kaepernick did. Kaepernick took over a football team that just couldn't get over that hump. They got to as far as they were going to get with Alex Smith, brought them to the Super Bowl, one pass away from winning the motherfucker, and another pass away from getting to two. But all of a sudden, getting the dumbest head coach in football history, he can't throw a football, he, he's dumb, he can't play, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. Ignoring the fact that damn near everybody on his offensive line retired, Wide receivers lost uh, Crabtree. Wide receiving, receiving core lost Crabtree. Vernon Davis went MIA. So all of a sudden Kaepernick can't play, but you're you're going to sit there and say a dude that damn near went to two Super Bowls can't play, but a team should go out and sign Ryan Fitzpatrick because he can help you win. He's a good stopgap. He's a good game manager. This is a guy that played his best season last year. The Jets had an opportunity to get into the damn playoffs if they won the last game. Win or go home. Win, stay in, or go home. Guess what? Ryan Fitzpatrick throws three interceptions to lose the game. Yet, this is a guy that people are saying, you just got to sign him. Matt Schaub has thrown, I want to say, a pick six in the last three games he's played in. As soon as the free agency period starts, guess who signs to be a backup? Matt uh, Matt Schaub. Matt Castle still gets an opportunity to play quarterback in the NFL. He gets signed. And we just saw him lose his job to Kellen Moore. So, and Brandon Wheaton. So, it just blows my mind when you think about the nonsense that people are saying just to discredit black quarterbacks. RG3. This dude hadn't said a word all last year, but as soon as he gets cut, Chris Cooley comes out with these rabid-ass comments. Well, he doesn't want to be – he didn't want to be a friend to, to uh, Kirk Cousins. Him and his family didn't hang out. Boy, you sound stupid. 
rookie of the year, and everyone knows his play dropped because he wasn't healthy. But the narrative doesn't fit that. The narrative tell you that he's dropped because teams figured him out a full offseason. Well, NFL teams, in the same sense, NFL teams figured out Ryan Tannehill because he hasn't done shit since he got drafted. He's been the same guy. Case in point, every player has been the same player. If you're good, you're good. If you're average, you're average. If you're great, you're great. But that's the that's not the narrative that they want you to hear. Now we're gonna we're gonna see tomorrow how much narrative will be, uh, what the narrative will be when Cardell Jones goes out and throws the football. And I'm upset that he got hurt at the combine because, again, doing non quarterback shit, running the forty yard dash. And it's it's sad because here here's the here's the double talk with with Boykin. We know Boykin played wide receiver at TCU for a little bit, two hundred something yards in a season as a receiver. Then he goes to back-to-back seasons, and then he puts together, I'm sorry, back-to-back seasons of outstanding play at quarterback, stellar play, Heisman Trophy-worthy play at quarterback. And all people say is he should be a receiver in the NFL. He was a better quarterback at the same juncture Ryan Tannehill was at Texas A&M, but you didn't hear Ryan Tannehill needs to go play receiver. And Tannehill, quite honestly, was a way better receiver than Boykin was a receiver. But I digress. Boykin goes to the combine and runs a 4-7 or 4-8 or something like that. I, I want to say it's a 4-8. Oh, my God, then he can't play quarterback. I mean, he can't play receiver then. I don't know what he's going to do. First they, first, they say he couldn't play quarterback because he's going to be a receiver because he's fast. Goes out there, runs a 4-8. Oh, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do now. 4-8. How is running a 4-8 a problem for a dude that has always stated he's a quarterback? Like, why does his speed matter? Why do you need to see Cordell Jones run a 40-yard dash and now you can't see him throw at the combine because he pulled a damn hamstring? Quarterbacks doing non-quarterback things. But this is the, this the season for this double talk. Oh, we got a lot of uh, black quarterbacks starting until it's the until the draft come up. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, this guy, I mean, uh, what if what happens when he gets the money? That's another dumb shit, that uh, dumb statement you hear. What happens when he gets that money? What about his posse? Can he, will he put in the work? All these tired stereotypes. And yes, I'm overly sensitive to it because I'm black. But it's the same shit over and over. The stereotypes people use to describe black quarterbacks should be used, quite honestly, this year to describe Carson Wentz. But all you hear is leadership, grit, strong handshake, looks you in the eye, commands a huddle, leader of men, stern, great leadership. Talking about a black quarterback, you're going to hear, can't read defenses, struggles to pick up offenses, inaccurate, strong arm, athlete, great physical appearance. Like, dude, really? But this goes into what I said earlier about people actually doing the work People wanting to to make this, uh, you know, a profession, and people also want to be known for the the quality of their analysis, and not just the the, the blazingness of their takes. I think people now create more takes than than uh, content. Maybe that's it, you know. But I digress. Let let let's move on because we spent thirty five minutes talking about bullshit. Let's talk about some even bigger bullshit that really affects the game of the NFL, and it's this whole myth of building a football team. 
Like it's a process. And, and it's it seems like it's widely known that NFL teams don't invest a lot in in their scouts as far as like salary. I still debate that. I think NFL scouts make a lot of money because I think they just tell people that it discourage them for jumping in their field. It's a, it's a nice tactic. And people, one person probably say, yeah, I only make 20. And they use that as a uh, <laughs> the running standard for everybody. Yeah, 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 we only make 20, you know. But I think, honestly, scouts should be paid even more. Whatever they're paying, double it, triple it. Because if you're a multi-million uh, dollar profit-making franchise and the lifeblood of your team is the talent you bring in, then the people that's in charge of finding that talent should be paid handsomely because that, in the end, will save you money. Think about it. If you're constantly, if let's say you get seven draft picks a year and you're nailing all seven picks with starters to elite level players, guys that, that are contributors, that are starters, that are really good to elite players. By the t- If you're constantly able to draft that, by the time, you know, player A's contract is up, if he's an elite player and he's still playing at an elite level, okay, we can re-sign him. If not, hell, I know my scouts are bringing me in another guy that's just as good and is going to be getting better. So I can let you go test free agency while I get a younger, just as good, cheaper option at the position. It's not hard to find who can play football and who can't. There should never be a reason why your NFL team is 3-13. and 13. Or one in fifteen. Your team should never have a lack of talent problem. So this myth that is very hard to build a football team. No, it's not. It's just people just say that. I think you have a lot of people that don't know what they're doing in positions with the with the capability of making decisions. And you see this across the board, across corporate America. You may even have a manager that has never done your job, but telling you how to do that job. That you've done exceptionally well over the course of your work career. Yet someone comes in and say, nah, you're doing it wrong. And they've never done it. So you may have somebody that's telling the scout, nah, a scout may be telling the, the, the GM, you know what, this guy can, this guy is going to be great. And the GM is like, ah, nah, the numbers say this, or, you know, I saw on TV that this guy is this and this, well, his wife tweets bad, so I don't, you know, I, the culture and the, the, you know, I don't, I, you know, you know, leadership, I, you know, I, I, I. and so now if you're the scout, you're like, man, well, damn, I just told you who to take. I've been out here all year. Here's what I see. And you're going to say, well, nah, we're going to go with this guy that started seven games. You know, so when your team is average and you're picking in the top five again with the, with the same record that led you to a top five pick the previous year, you have no one to blame. Invest in your scouts, inspect what you expect, and the talent on the back end should show itself. You should never have a situation where you're trying to pay Ryan Fitzpatrick 20-something million dollars a year or whatever crazy number he's asking for. You can draft Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can trip and fall and draft an average guy like like whomever to be, to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Lose him. That's the person you lose. Because you could draft that, right? You trust your scouts enough to say, man, we could draft you. Why is this so hard? What? Why are people making this so so complicated? 
Football is an easy game. College coaches do way more with less resources than NFL teams. In the NFL, you get to actually pick the players, and they have no choice. It's called the draft, and you get to pay them money, and you don't have to worry about them going to class. Football is their job. And you mean to tell me your team is 2-14 and 14 with a lack of talent problem? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? But I digress again. You know, it's not hard to build a football team. The NFL is built for you to stay good. Even if you're finding yourself winning, let's say you win, let's say you're the Patriots and you're constantly picking at the end of the draft. I'm sorry, at the end of the round. And, and granted, this may be a bad example because the Patriots do draft terribly. Um, they do a great job of scouting within the league and getting free agents that help contribute more so than some of their draft picks. Now, defensively, I think they draft very well. Offensively, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know. Defensively, yes, they, they, they'll nail some picks. But a lot of their offensive success has just come from Tom Brady. They hit on Rob Gronkowski. And they're getting free and, you know, some of the offensive linemen. So they do draft okay, but their skilled players, I don't think they draft as well as they do on defense. Um, And some of their picks earlier in the rounds that they miss on a lot of picks, you know. But let's say if you're the Patriots, for the sake of the argument, let's say you're the Patriots. And you're constantly picking at the end of the draft, end of the round, I'm sorry. And you find ways to get the job done because, okay, I don't care if we're picking first. A 32nd, we're going to get a starter because there's that much talent out there in college football. There is over 850 football playing colleges from the Division I level, FBS level, all the way down to junior college. You mean to tell me you can't find seven elite level football players to play on your football team every year out of what could possibly be 500,000 football playing individuals? maybe 200,000 football playing seniors, then that's a you problem. Oh, my God, there's a quarterback crisis in the NFL. There's a quarterback crisis. Oh, my God, no. Oh, my God, there's lack of quarter. These college coaches are not training these quarterbacks right. We can't find any. We got to constantly play Ryan Fitzpatrick. People are stupid, man. Like, people fall for the okie doke. People constantly buy products from Acme. Put it that way. To use a cartoon reference. Stop buying prospects from Acme or products from Acme. Stop taking presents from Jokey Smurf. They blow up on your face constantly. So it's not hard for guys to find good food. Or you make it sound so easy. You should do it. Well, I mean, listen, I may or may not. I tell you what, you put me in charge of your football team, your team will never pick anywhere above eight unless uh, uh, I'm sorry, above 17, unless everybody on the football team died. Otherwise, the team will stay stacked with talent. You mean to tell me I get to pick the best players and pay them and I get them cheap for three years, three to four years before I, I before I have to either sign the, the really good ones or let them walk? You know, count me, count me and sign me up. Let's go win championships. If we don't win championships, it's because the coaching and game planning is bad, not because we don't have the talent. 
Not having having talent should be a given for NFL teams. And they have obviously people will split hair. Well, they do have talent. You got to be in the NFL. You're one of the world class athletes. You got to be in the NFL. I get that, man. All I'm saying is, you know, you shouldn't have a two and fourteen lack of talent problem. Like I shouldn't be able to look at your football team and say, well, damn, they have no one back there that can make a play. That's the part I'm talking about. I shouldn't be able to look at your football team and see Darius Hayward be lining up out wide, constantly getting resigned, dropping everything thrown his way. You watched the Super Bowl, the best game of the year, and you saw the Carolina Panthers receiving core once Philly Brown knocked himself out the game, making a great catch. Everybody else dropping passes. Why am I watching you drop passes in the biggest game of the year? You're supposed to be the best team. Never. My seventh string wide receiver would be a starter on any other team. You mean to tell me, oh, the NFL got a lack of talent problem or it's tough to find guys. Green Bay out here with seven starters at receiver. Guys, they can go out there and start for your football team today. So Green Bay doesn't have a problem with finding receivers. They don't have a problem with finding defensive backs that can turn around and find a damn ball and pick it off. What it was, what's in the, what, what their scouts doing? But these are these. This is why teams like Green Bay, New England, Pittsburgh, all those teams like that are constantly picking on the back end, of the rounds, the Ravens, another good team that drafts well. So, football is not hard, guys. It's an easy game. Don't make it complicated. Stop the double talk. Open your eyes. Say what. Tell me what you know, not what you heard. And think, speak, analyze, write, record, based off your own opinion. Don't listen to what people tell you and let that be your thoughts, your opinions. Think for yourself, write for yourself, speak for yourself, podcast for yourself, draw for yourself. Whatever you want to do, make sure it's because you did it based on what you've seen, based on what you what you know, and based on what you've analyzed. Don't be a parrot. Don't be a puppet. You have the best ability. The greatest ability we have as humans is the ability to create. Don't create something that's a copy, a carbon copy of what someone else already created. Create your own thing. Be an individual. And that's all I got this time. So this was episode 12 of Direct Snap. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Fball Game Plan, Instagram, Facebook, Vine, Football Game Plan, YouTube.com slash Football Game Plan. Check out our website at footballgameplan.com slash books. We have three great book titles out there, Stiff Arming Football Mitts. We also have football, a love story, and what did football teach me? Over 100 current and former players, coaches, executives talking about what the game taught them, what they love about it, and why they stay involved till today. And if you want to find any of our podcasts, you can find it archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. Shout out to everyone that supports Football Game Plan via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, with the books. We love you. You love us. And we're going to keep pumping out, pumping out great content. Tomorrow, I'll be at Fordham's Pro Day. And I can't tell you a secret, but we're working on something big over here at Football Game Plan. We're always working on something that we have bub- uh, bubbling underneath the radar, underneath the ra- <laughs> sorry, underneath the surface, um, and working underneath the radar. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We have a lot of cool stuff that we're working on behind the scenes that we can't tell you because again, people steal, people cheat, people copy. We don't want to. We don't want to have. We don't want to have to have that physical discussion with somebody. So you know. We'll either, when we put out content, 
and we say you either stop copying or you take the physical challenge. Now, you don't want the physical challenge, so you better stop copying our work and just waiting to see what football game plan put out to then rearrange and make it your content. You do it again, and you constantly do it, you're going to have to take the physical challenge. And, again, you don't want the physical challenge, man. You don't want to take that physical challenge. We don't want to have that physical discussion with people constantly because of the stuff that we got coming out and people constantly steal and try to, you know, mimic and copy. We see you out there. We see you out there trying to mimic our stuff. Just give us credit. Credit goes a long way. A little credit goes a long way. I said all that to say this. Stop copying. Be your own. Be an individual. Stop the double talk. And if you want to chat football, if you want football analysis, there's a lot of places that do great work. But obviously, I want you to come to Football Game Plan and footballgameplan.com and all the other stuff that we do and we put out there for you guys. So listen, I'm Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been episode 12 of Direct Snap. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah.